Hi there, and welcome to a different way of seeing. Have you ever wondered how a disabled person lives their life? Join our host Lois Drachen as she chats to people about work, education, travel, sport, the arts, and leisure, and the tools and techniques they use to live their lives with the disability. And now, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to today's episode of A Different Way of Seeing, a podcast where we talk all things disability. I'm your host, Lois Strachan, and today we are chatting to disability advocate, social media influencer, and model, Nobatembu Peters. Nobatembu, thank you so much for joining us today. It is great to have you with us on a different way. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time that we've been, I've been wanting to have you on the podcast, and it's great that we finally made the time of it. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> so before we kind of dig a little bit deeper into some of the things that you do, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your story? Oh my goodness, where do I even start? You know, this is one of those questions where I'm like, what do I say? What do I not say? Um, but um, for our listeners, just a background um, on me, I'm a, a wheelchair user um, due to an accident that happened when I was three years old. So I'm a road accident survivor. And with that being said, I do a lot of advocacy around disability awareness and um, how to show people that disabled people are able to live healthy and normal lives if we have all the you know necessary um, needs met and accessibility you know um, and yes I'm a woman of faith um, outgoing person I'm a go-getter and yes I'm also a uh, what do they call a commercial model? Yeah. You do a tremendous amount of work around the space of inclusion and advocacy. But I'd like to go back to the start of your journey as a person with a disability. Tell us about that accident that happened when you were three years old. Um, okay, so this accident happened happened um yo, it was a long time ago i think it was in 96 1996 um if i'm not mistaken where a driver a drunk driver drove into me and it left me paralyzed from the waist down um the doctors um told my parents that i'll never be able to walk again um due to the level and seriousness of my injury um so i've been paralyzed for over 20 years it's close to um 30 years if i'm not mistaken yeah it's quite a long time that i've been in a wheelchair and um i, I don't want to say i'm grateful but i'm happy that it happened while i was still young because i grew up knowing that i was different i grew up in the wheelchair i know nothing except for being 
in a wheelchair, you know, whereas there's other people who maybe got injured in their late 20s, in their 30s, you know, they still have a memory of what it's like to walk. Whereas for me, I don't know what it's like, you know, I don't know what it's like to walk because that was taken away from me at a very young age. As you went through your schooling, I I believe you you started off at a special school and then you were mainstreamed in high school. How did your experiences growing up and being at school, how did they shift your perspective on your disability specifically and more generally about disability? Mm. Um, growing up, um, I like to say that I was first in a school for disabled people. So there I didn't feel, um, different. You know, I was surrounded by kids with other disabilities and I felt normal. I felt like I was just like them and that they were just like me. We were all the same. And then when I went to high school, I saw the shift and change that. Okay. Not everyone is disabled and not everyone um, feels the same way about disabilities like I do, you know, and not everyone has the same views because I saw people with disabilities in a more positive light. I knew that our disabilities do not define us and that we are able to do whatever it is that we put our minds to. But then I came into an environment where people questioned what I could do you know they questioned what I thought I could do and what I thought I knew about myself you know so it was just how I I I don't know how to put it you know I had to try to understand why is it that these people are all of a sudden aren't viewing the um, disabilities the same way I used to view them you know growing up in an environment where I was surrounded by disabled people did you find that you had a lot of support from your family, your siblings, and your community? Oh, yes, um, definitely. From my family and my siblings, they were very supportive. Uh, my community on the other side, um, I think they were, you know, very ableist. Um, they were very, um, they discriminated, you know, they always underestimated me and undermined me, you know, always making me feel like my disability is a tragedy. It's the worst thing that could happen to anyone, you know, whereas my family, they were very overprotective, but they allowed myself, they allowed me to be confident or let me say they allowed me to be independent, you know, they didn't do everything for me. They allowed me um, to do things for myself, to learn how to do certain things for myself. But they were still very much protective. And that's what pushed me to try as much as possible to be independent so that I won't live in the bubble that they have created for me, you know. Um, yeah. So once you were at high school, you were really put in a position where you were forced to start to advocate for yourself. Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, It's like I said um, before, I saw the difference. I saw how they treated 
um, my disability different as opposed to the previous schools, you know, where I was in an environment with other disabled people and with people who knew um, a lot about disabilities, you know, people who had the formal training on how to work with disabled people. So I felt the need, you know, to teach these people what they did not know about our disabilities. And there's a video that I posted on TikTok last week, I think, um, of me sleeping with my wheelchair in bed because that is what some kids thought. They thought that we sleep in our wheelchairs. And it's kind of crazy thinking about it. Like, how on earth do I even sleep on my wheelchair? You know, so there's so much that people think are true about disabilities that is actually not true. And that is why I started advocating because I wanted to fill those gaps. I wanted to be the source of their, you know, information and to just influence them to see disabilities in a more positive light. Well, let's, you've raised the point. So let's kind of look a little bit more at the work you do as a social media influencer. Because I've been fascinated to see how <laughs> you are all over social media and <laughs> the messages you give are so important. So how did you get in, into that side of things? And tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing more formally as a social mm. media influencer. Mm, mm. Um, okay, so my influencing journey, it started where I posted a lot of my pictures online and I would get um, comments from people telling me how confident I look and how beautiful I am for someone who's in a wheelchair or for someone who's disabled. And I was like, what? What does that even mean? I'm too beautiful to be disabled, you know? So people started saying all these crazy things and some of them were saying it from a good place, you know, but how they say it is what got me all shocked and surprised, you know, and then I was like, uh-uh, I need to start speaking up you know there is absolutely nothing wrong and weird about being beautiful and being disabled you know there's nothing weird about being successful and disabled you know so I try to connect positive words with disability you know showing people that this disabilities are not all that bad that there's so much more to disabilities than what the media puts out there you know and that's how um, a lot of brands reached out to me. I started doing a lot of radio interviews talking about my accident and how I've managed to live my life um, on a positive note. Um, and that's where um, I got campaigns for road safety, where I started advocating and started um, working closely with a um, Western Cape government campaign, um, which I've been doing that for two years now. And that is basically just because I'm a road accident survivor and my story has, you know, been shared so many times on the internet and so many people already know my story, um, but yet they don't know the impact um, that road users have on each other's lives you know imagine just that one driver changed my entire life forever which is something that could have been avoided if only he did not drink 
and drive, you know. Um, so people, they focus on the disability and they don't focus on the one who has caused the disability, you know, because they hardly even ask me that, um, where is the guy? cause your accident what happened to him you know and they're not even repenting from their own wrongdoings you know they're not admitting when they whenever they like drive under the influence of alcohol you know they don't call each other out so that is why I'm doing the work I'm doing so that people will start keeping themselves accountable for their bad um, behavior on the roads yeah out, out of interest, the the guy who, the drunk driver who caused your accident, mm-hmm. was he ever identified? Um, yes, <laughs> it's actually weird how it happened. Um, so after he drove into me, he drove into someone's shack, and mm-hmm. that's how they got him. And apparently, he was well known as well. Um, because it all happened in Muscle Bay, where I was born and raised. So Muscle Bay is a very small town. A lot of people know each other. So it was quick for it was easy for people to identify him, you know, because of the small town Muscle Bay is. Um, yeah, so he was arrested. Um, and I think he served um his sentence, not entire sentence, um, because my mom saw him in town, and that was around 2006. Yeah, in 2006, she saw him in town. And my sister um, was in the same class as his son. Um, he was actually her partner, matric um, partner for the farewell. And that's how we know, knew that, ah, this boy is this man's son, the guy who caused my accident son. Um, and when I... I reached out to the boy. He told me that his father lives in Cape Town, but that was like around 2012, 13. So I don't know whether he's still in Cape Town or whether he's still alive, but I've never met him. You know, I've never had an encounter where he tells me that I'm the one who caused your accident. I've never had that. Um, yeah. Would that make a difference? No, no, no. I actually forgave him. You know, I've made peace um, because I believe that peace is living is living with the consequence of someone else's actions. So I'm living with the consequences of his actions. You know, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't change anything about it. So I decided to find peace um, to forgive him. And if he ever um, reaches out to me, then I will boldly and honestly tell him that I've forgiven him. And even if he never apologizes, I still forgive him because forgiveness, I believe, is a gift that we give to ourselves. We don't need permission from anyone to forgive. And I don't need permission from him. Um, to forgive him for what he has done to me and to my family. Um, and even if that means that I'll never be able to walk again, um, I'm willing to live with that. Um, yeah. In a separate conversation, you mentioned to me that you, if you had a superpower, you wished that it would be the, the superpower to turn back time. And when I first heard that, my immediate assumption was, oh, 
you'd like to turn back the clock to <gasps> to prevent the accident. But when mm. you explained it to me, that's not what you said. Tell and us. I'm trying to remember what <laughs> did I say? <laughs> you said to you, you said to me that what it was about was not about turning back the clock to prevent the accident mm-hmm. because you feel that you are the woman you are today because, because of, of what happened. Yeah. And I just thought that it was such an amazing perspective to have. And <laughs> a little unusual from what one might expect. Yeah. And I mean, like, I'm I'm trying to think sometimes, like, if I was never disabled, what kind of person was I going to be, you know? Where would I have been in my life? What would I have been doing? And obviously, I would not have been having this conversation with you, you know? <laughs> um, and I would have probably never even met you, you know? Um, so there's so many things that I would not have experienced if I was not disabled, you know? I would have not seen how amazing disabled people are when they are you know, fighting for each other's rights, you know, and how powerful disabled people are, you know, because how I grew up, I always, um, people with disabilities were portrayed as these vulnerable people. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are vulnerable, but we are more than just that, you know. So my view on disability is changed because of my own personal experience. So if I've never had the experience, I would have never had a shift, you know, in my mindset, in how I view disabilities. And I'm grateful for that. And that's why I would never um, turn back um, time or change anything about my past. Yeah. It's a very interesting perspective and a very, very good one to have, a very laudable one. We we spoke earlier about the work that you do as a commercial model. Why Mm -hmm. do you think it's important for brands and, and places to be diverse and representative in Mm. advertising? Why do you think Mm. that's important? Um, well, first of all, we are consumers as well. You know, disabled people, we buy products, we contribute to the economy, and we are also, you know, um, part of you know, the entire picture when it comes to consumers and, you know, brand marketing marketing, brand research, and all those things. So I believe that we should not be excluded from advertising. We should not be excluded from being represented. You know, when they want to um, advertise a product, they should use their actual customers, which are disabled people as well. You know, disabled people are customers as well. We are clients and we need and deserve to be included, you know, um, in the public display. And I mean, we are living in the 21st century. We are not, we cannot be hidden. I mean, we, we are living in a digital era, you know. Um, we are like the world is becoming such a small um space now you know the the internet has 
connected us from all walks of life and from different countries. So there's no excuse for brands not to include us. And there's no excuse for companies not to make their places more accessible. And I mean, I've I've spoken to a lady who said that at her workplace, they said it was um, costing the company a lot to have a wheelchair-friendly bathroom. So they can't really employ someone with a disability because it's going to cost them more to have the person work on the premises and I was like what the hell like that's nonsense you know we should not be tolerating such things from companies because I mean companies gain a lot from employing people with disabilities so they need to do the bare minimum and you know make work environments accessible for disabled people so yeah there's so much that needs to change that should have changed and that is why I decided to take up the space in modeling because there's not enough disabled models um, showcasing their talent, showcasing their beauty and not a lot of brands are using disabled people. Um, They're only using disabled people when it's for a particular role where it's needed to be like a disabled person, you know. Um, Yeah, so depending on the brief um, that they get from the client, that's the only time they reach out to disabled models. But but just for a normal photo shoot or a normal commercial, they don't even think twice to include disabled people. And I'm trying to fight that with the work that I'm doing. And that is why I'm so, so active on social media because I want brands to see that disabled people are not just for their benefit. You know, we want to benefit from what they are benefiting from as well. Um, Yeah, I hope it makes sense. It does. And after all, you know, we are 15% of the world's population. That's a lot. Should be seen in advertising you know, and not just in products and services that are aimed at persons. With exactly. Yeah. So true. I want to turn now to another aspect of, of the what you're doing. You describe yourself as a woman of faith. And one of the things that you've mentioned to me is that you are busy writing a book about the intersectionality of your faith and your disability. What caused, oh, yes. you, what caused <laughs> you to start writing the book? Um, okay, so I don't know if I mentioned um, this to you before, but um, I grew up in a household where my mom and dad were pastors. Um, they still pastors um, up till this day. So I grew up in a community or in a household where faith um, was, you know, something very strong and dear to us, you know, and I wanted to, you know, um, take people on a journey as a child with a disability who grew up in a faith-based um, family. Because, I mean, a lot of people had that perception that, ah, her, uh, her dad is a pastor. Why doesn't he pray for her? And then she's healed, you know? And I had the questions asking God that, 
why doesn't he heal me if he is such a loving God and if he is so powerful why is he not healing me you know um so i had all these questions that i used to ask god growing up and as i grew older i started understanding that this is more than just about my faith it's more than just about me you know it's about the impact that i need to make in the lives of those that i touch you know it's about living a life filled with purpose and with my book i'm going to be showing people how i've seen the hand of god throughout my life you know from how I realized and started noticing that I'm actually disabled because remember, I grew up disabled. I did not know that I was different from other kids until I was treated different. Otherwise, being disabled was is my normal. You know, I don't know anything besides being disabled or being in a wheelchair. Um, so I had to understand and learn like how does God fit into all of this and how does my disability fit into the great plan that God has for my life. And with my book, I'm going to be talking about all of that, how God has moved me and how I have seen his hand um, through all my challenges as a person with a disability. Yeah. In speaking to members of the disability community, I often hear that People with disabilities are too often excluded from the faith-based communities. Will your mm. book try and address that particular topic as well? Definitely, definitely, yes, I will. I will be addressing that because I have personally experienced that as well, you know, where I would come to a church and the only thing they want to do is pray for me, you know. And I've had conversations with other um, disabled people where they're like, we don't want to go to church to get prayed for. We want to go to church because we want to be there and not because someone wants to, you know, get the praise or get the spotlight um, through them, you know. So I have a lot of disabled people who have shared the same sentiments. Um, yeah, and I'm definitely going to be covering that in my book. And when do you think that book might be released? When, when, what are you? <laughs> Tough question, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know what? Um, last year, when I started writing, I thought that at least by this time this year, I would be halfway. And yeah, life is full of surprises and life is unpredictable. So the same applies with my book. It is so unpredictable. I might even be finished with it before the end of this year. So I don't want to say anything. And then the end of the year comes and then I have nothing to show for it. So um, our listeners must just be on the lookout. <laughs> and I, you will definitely be, be one of the first few people who I'll share with um, when it's released. Yeah. Well, we will look forward to reading that as and when it's released. <laughs> To come out. So if people would like to find out more about your work or if they'd like to follow you on social media, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on 
Roy at Royalty on Wheels on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram, as well as on TikTok. Yes, I go by the same handle, Royalty on Wheels. And then I'm also on LinkedIn at Nobatembu Peter. Um, yes. We'll share those links in the, the show notes with this episode. And people will be able awesome. to reach out to you directly through those various channels. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Great. So as a final question, what does you see the future holding for you? Oh, my goodness. You know, like, um, looking back on my life um, for the past two years, I am not where I thought I would be. I am not doing what I thought I would be doing, but I feel like I'm definitely where I need to be and I'm loving my dreams. You know, I feel like now my dreams are unfolding. Now my dreams are coming true. You know, everything that I've dreamt of doing growing up, I'm actually doing it, you know, um, having this conversation with you, like that is part of my dream come true, you know, um, being able to talk about my experience like that is the most amazing thing ever you know not everyone loves to tell this story but I have been given so many opportunities you know to showcase and to tell my story it's just so so amazing um I will be on SABC one in a TV series um I forgot the name of it I think um, but it's for disabled people. Um, That's the activated series. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so um, in July, I'm going to be in one of the episodes. Yeah, in the month of July, I'm going to be in one of the episodes where I'm going to be talking about um, sex and disability and where I'm going to be sharing um, all these things that I talk about concerning sexual health um um blah 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 and my own personal experiences um yeah so on I'm gonna be unactivated and I'm so excited <laughs> I think that's a that series has it's now in its second season and I think it's really doing a lot to raise visibility mm, so it is it is it's doing amazing that's great Thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule today to chat to us. It's been really great just connecting with you and chatting to you a little bit about the work that you're doing in so many different areas to build advocacy mm. and awareness. So thank you for, for joining us on A Different Way of Seeing. Thank you so much, Lois, for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to A Different Way of Seeing. We'd love to connect with you. So find Lois at loisstrachen.com or Facebook, Lois Strachan Speaker. This podcast was edited by Craig Strachan using Hindenburg Pro. Hindenburg, it's all about the story. The credits are done at Naledi Media. Naledi Media, all your vocal needs under one roof. Read by Charlie Jassy. That's it for now. Thank you for joining us and see you next time when we bring you into the world of seeing differently.